Hello everyone, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, and I am one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. Another one of the partners is Elizabeth Noble Rollins Freeman, who is sitting across from me right now. Welcome Elizabeth, and thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Robert. I hear you want to talk about driving. I do want to talk about driving. Uh, this is a a hot button issue among our client base and their family members. Uh, so driving, I mean, it seems like, well, yeah, you got to drive. And particularly in these times as we sit here having this conversation in the middle of a pandemic, uh, when you have limited access to any sort of public transit, uh, even ride shares and taxis are, are a little bit problematic. Driving is critical for getting around. And when we talk to people about driving, Robert, usually that comes up when we're talking to folks about their healthcare power of attorney. They don't always think about their driving habits as being something related to their health. But in many of the, the families that we work with, driving at some stage becomes a bit of a challenge, both for the driver and for the passenger. If any of our listeners have ever dealt with a family member becoming demented and, and beginning to lose functionality, uh, they almost certainly have had to deal with the problem of, uh, of driving and controlling the driving, restricting the driving, uh, moving from, well, I only drive during the daytime to I only make right turns uh, to uh, I only go the two blocks to the grocery store. Um, it's, it's a real challenge in a society where mobility is so key. It's independence, Robert. I it, think that I think driving is a lot It of is independence. independence. And, and, and I often say to clients when we're talking about their mother or father's driving and, and the need to intervene, I, I point out that the two things that make us who we are today in this society are our car keys and our debit cards. <laughs> and those are the first two things that your kids want to take away when you, uh, when you begin to suffer a decline. Well, Robert, I think that when I talk to people about driving, one of the things that comes up is folks say, well, I'm going to know when I'm no longer a good driver. Okay, that's wrong. You're not. Yeah, you'll you, be the last to know. You're going to be the last to know. Um, the second thing is, is that people say, well, I'm just not driving at night. Or, you know, I don't take that left on Speedway because it's just better for me to go right and then do whatever kind of 10 different U-turns, you know. People make all these different excuses for not wanting to take a left. Well, maybe that's because it's hard to see the light, or maybe that's because it's hard to get into the intersection. I mean, there are all different things, but when I start to hear people express concern about their ability to safely operate a motor vehicle, day or night, rain, you know, rain or shine, I often say, wouldn't it be nice to have somebody independent just give you an A-plus on your driving report? Wouldn't that be nice if it wasn't your son or daughter or spouse criticizing your driving, but you actually were able to have an independent assessment? And they say, well, that's a great idea. And, you know, Robert, now there are c private companies that will do independent assessments about driving. And I've had a couple clients do that. And they have come back either with... Um, X's and O's or, you know, thumbs up or gold stars. Some of them realize that, you know, they actually not as driving as well as they thought they were, but it takes some of the stress and strain out of those 
family conversations about driving when there's actually somebody independent who will evaluate you. And some of those evaluators do at least some training and assistance to help people adapt to their limitations and understand that they have limitations. Uh, but there is the harsh reality that there comes a time for many people when they just need to be told they can't drive anymore and they need to, they need to have some other arrangement made. One of the difficulties is if your function has diminished to the point where you can't drive, there's some likelihood it's also diminished to the point where you have a hard time making alternative arrangements too. And so um, that gets us to uh, the, the person, the family member, the agent on a power of attorney, whoever it is, who's dealing with the driving, needing to, to move beyond just, oh, I've got to take dad's car keys away to oh, I need to come up with an alternative to get grocery shopping, to get dad to the doctor. And yes, it might be expensive. And yes, it might be, it might be uh, complicated. And it might involve getting several of the grandkids involved. And, and, uh, and it might be a, a, a very complicated construction to have it ha happen. But that's what's got to happen in order to get dad off the highway. And I think, Robert, whether or not the, the principal still has some capacity or appreciation for what's going on, it's incredibly important that the agent involve the principal in conversations about the car. So for instance, dad, your driving's not so hot these days. You have wrecked both headlights two weeks in a row and you no longer have rear view mirrors. So let's talk about this. Do you think this is a problem? Dad, no, I think I'm a fine driver. Okay, Dad, well, do you want to go to the repair shop and see how much it's going to cost to repair your car? <laughs> you know, I think that we have to have some give and take in these conversations, Robert. And I say this in humor, but it's important to point out these issues so that by the time you're having a conversation with your loved one about why your grandchildren are going to be helping with groceries or why this caregiver is going to be helping getting you to the dentist, they actually understand or at least they've had some opportunity to soak up some information so that it's not coming out of left field. I think that can be some of the most hurtful and problematic times when we work with families where families don't say anything until the car keys are missing or the car is no longer in the driveway. And I just, I, I have to t tell you, I think you got to make some attempt at conversation. One of the things that we routinely do is to include a provision about driving in the powers of attorney that we prepare. So Elizabeth, if you come in to sign a power of attorney, we are likely to have included a provision and hope that you will agree to sign it that says that you designate Doug or your husband Doug or whoever, whomever you have decided to, to not only make healthcare decisions for you, but to be the one to tell you when you have to stop driving. And we always explain to clients, this doesn't really have very much legal effect because if Doug ever told you, I don't think you can drive anymore, and you disagreed and you were strong-willed about it, you could just revoke his power of attorney. And, and he, he doesn't really have the ability to, uh, to, to keep you out of the car using that document. But at least we would have set up a situation where he could hold up the power of attorney and say, remember back in 2020 when you signed this power of attorney, and you said then that I was the guy who ought to be able to tell you that you can't drive anymore. Well, honey, I'm, I'm here to tell you that time has arrived. At least you get that, that moral suasion out of the, the driving power of attorney. And we've made you think about it while you're in our office signing the document. 
I think that that's very true, Robert. And the the last parting word of advice that I will give to family members who are struggling with the driving issue is at the end of the day, uh, many of us are frugal people. And the last thing I want to do is impair my estate because I'm no longer driving well and I may run over somebody's dog or run over a person or run into a street light. You know, I don't want to have my car insurance premiums go up. And so I will tell you, if you're talking to somebody about whether or not they should continue driving, it may be worth talking to the person about the fact that they're actually putting their estate in jeopardy. We can all have umbrella insurance out the wazoo, but it's, it's an issue. And when you broach that subject with your mother, father, aunt, uncle, whoever it is, or, or wife, I guess, wife or husband, uh, you, should, you should go into it armed not only with the information about uh, alternatives for, uh, for testing and, and maybe some training and support, but also alternatives for getting mobility and getting around. Uh, don't go in just punitively saying, time to take away the car keys. You need to have some affirmative plans to deal with the aftermath because there will be an aftermath almost certainly. On that happy note, <laughs> shall we uh, shall we call this a day and invite people to uh, to tell us their stories about uh, about how they stopped mom or dad from driving when it became a problem or what decisions they've made about their own um, limiting limited ability to drive. And, uh, and any other questions or comments that they have, we'll be happy to look at them and, and maybe use them as a springboard for some future session of Elder Law Issues, which is what we're doing here. I'm Robert Fleming. I'm talking about Elder Law Issues with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. I'm checking right now to make sure my car keys are still in my pocket. <laughs> I'm laughing, Robert, because I may just replay this podcast in about 20 years. <laughs> we hope you'll join us long before then. Talk to you later.